0: Uh, this is the third and final for this month. Uh, time we will look at our theme and uh, and revisit what God, I believe God has for us this year. As I mentioned the very first week, I really believe that uh, God wants us to simplify this year to understand exactly the core of our uh, our walk with Christ to simplify. And we've seen over the last two weeks that to simplify really means to love God and to love your neighbor. We've been in Luke 10. We've seen the account of the young lawyer who came and he asked Jesus, you know, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus returned that question back on to him. and, And he said, well, you know, I love a little bit my God, my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, and my neighbor as myself. And then Jesus said, you'll do well if you do this, you'll, you'll live. And, and he said, but who is my neighbor seeking to justify himself with all your dead? And so Jesus shows him not who his neighbor is, but how to neighbor. And so as we look simply to, to love God with a wholehearted love, a complete love, an unreserved love, and then to love, taking that love of God because he loved us, and we we shed, we spread that love to others. It is the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to love the Lord with all of our hearts and to, to love those around us the great love of Christ through us. And so as we look at this and as we understand this, I'm going to kind of broaden and open the door for 2018 based on what God has for us But before we do, we're going to bow in prayer. Gracious God, by your mercy, you have brought us here, your grace, you've allowed us to be here, you've given us the opportunity to hear your word, to fellowship with others, to sing your praises, to hopefully catch a glimpse of our Savior as we've seen the word and as we've sung the word. But God, I pray that now by your power and by the Holy Spirit that you would open the heart of our understanding. And as we see the passages, as we, we dwell upon the application, we would have the power of the Spirit to understand and to apply and the grace and strength of our great God to obey and to do. Oh Lord, may we be about being a follower of Christ so that we may do the things that are natural to a follower of Christ. May we not try to do things in order to be. But Father, may the grace of God have so worked in us that it flows out of us. And so would you, would you superintend our time this morning? Uh, my words are nothing, but your word is eternal. It will not fall away. And I pray that you accomplish the mission, the work as you have promised that you have for it today. In your grace, in your praise, we, we ask these things. In Christ, name I pray. Amen. So looking at 2018, a couple of, uh, a phrase, actually one phrase came to my mind in the end of 17 as I kept thinking about the opportunities that we have before you. And it were, was, it is indeed the words of Paul. And the, the phrase that, that came to me was an open door. The, the phrase of Paul that he uses when he speaks of the opportunities. For instance, 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, 8 and 9, he's talking to, uh, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he talks about, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why are you remaining? For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, you and I would probably run into the last line first. Wait, there's there's many adversaries, so let's, uh, maybe we should think about Changing the plane tickets so and going on, go on sooner. But that's not Paul. As he writes to the people there in Corinth, he, he sees not the adversaries as something to block him, but instead he focuses on the open door. The idea of wide is a large or a great door. And as you think about this door that is open, effective means it has it will cause or is capable of producing the intended result. And what Paul is doing here, he's using this idea of this open door as a metaphor for evangelism. He's saying, there is a wide and effective open door that God has provided for me to preach the gospel. We read from Romans 6, uh, Rome one sixteen today. Romans 1 says, I am, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God into salvation. So here, Paul says, there's a wide and open door for me. It's effective. Instead of, instead of running from adversity, he remains. He sees the opponents. Yes, they're there. And if you think about the um, the time in, in Ephesus, the silversmiths were, uh, they, they didn't like Paul because he was preaching the, the risen Christ and uh, people were coming to follow Christ. And so their business was going down because no one... Was, or not as many people were buying silver idols. And so the silversmiths, the Jews of the area, were uh, opponents and adversaries to Paul. And here he is, he's seeing this, but he says just because they're opponents, the opposition comes, and it will come. In fact, it almost always comes when there's an open door. Satan sees the opportunities that are there for the gospel, and he sends opposition. But that is no reason to stop. There is no reason. When open doors are there, we are to enter those open doors. Paul said, I will remain. I'll stay here because there's opportunity for the gospel's sake. What a lesson to learn of Paul that adversity doesn't mean that it isn't God's will to proceed and do a thing, to minister the gospel. In fact, adversity comes when we minister the gospel and there is no reason to stop but to continue onward. The door is open, we remain, we serve. He speaks of this, again, I won't have you turn the passage, but he talks of when he came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened by the Lord. And that really is the, the understanding. Colossians 4, if you turn there, because that's a great passage. Um, as he speaks, he begins in, in, that, in that passage. He comes to verse 2, and he says, "Devote yourself, Devote yourselves to prayer. And he is asking them, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. What are you going to pray? Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which we have also been imprisoned. He saw those open doors, but he also asked for the open doors. He prayed, he asked others to pray for the open doors of the gospel opportunity. I love how Paul um, continues going forward, pray, and he asks others to come along with him and to indeed pray. The idea is to plead, to plead for those doors, for God to open opportunities for the gospel, and they will remain open. And once God has opened the door, to enter those doors with great strength and grace. You know, this takes faith. As we pray for the open doors, we, it, it takes faith that God will do what He says He will do. ever prayed a, a faithless prayer? I'm reminded of, of the time when Jesus in His earthly ministry is going and healing in city after city after city. Was that that particular, actually three cities, uh, but one in particular. He says He could not do many miracles there. It wasn't that he lacked the power. He pinpoints the problem there was their lack of faith, that he would do those miracles, that he could do those miracles. Pray for faith. Pray for open doors. Enter those doors. Faith is important. Faith Faith is central. It is a trust, a true dependence, and reliance upon God. It is all of Him to open the doors, every step, in every advance for the gospel, in in every seeming setback to keep on going, to advance for the gospel, because we're trusting God and not of our own strength, faith. See, if we are to walk through the open doors, if we are to pray for the open doors in our community this year, we must rely upon God. It must be faith in God and what He will do by us. And we're just privileged to be part of what He does, how He uses us. We must have faith. But we must have one other thing. And it's a singular focus on the centrality of the cross. I've been reading a collection of books on the cross. In the middle of John Stott's book on the cross. And... It's a powerful book as he walks through Christ's death, as he recounts the early church and how they looked to the cross, how the cross was a symbol of oppression, a symbol of, of the Roman hatred, but yet they proudly took upon themselves the sign of the cross. And they, they went forth. See, the cross was central to not... not it was a, a, a wooden inanimate object. It wasn't the, the wood itself. It was the, it was the event that took place upon that cross. It was the work of Christ on that cross. The cross must be central to our lives. Peter, while being reviled, he, Jesus, did not revile and return While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his own body, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Centrality of the cross. See, the early church understood the great sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. They understood what it was for Him to leave the splendor of glory, to humble Himself, and to come to earth to live, to to feel the sorrow, to feel the pain, and then to go to the cross and not cry in the garden because of the pain, but to, to, to weep great drops of of tears because of the weight of the whole sin, uh, the weight of the sin of the whole world coming upon him. We have account after account of early believers who were willing to go to the cross. Yes, were uh, were uh, wanting to go and to sacrifice themselves for Jesus. So he burned at the stake that the glory of God may be go forth and preaching the word, the gospel, in joy with a smile on their face, they went to meet their Savior who died for them. They went joyously. He didn't cry. He didn't weep because of the pain that was coming. He wept because of the sins. He took our sin upon His own body. The tree, He bore them for us. And look at the result. See, after, as we we're a follower of Christ, we die to sin. We die to sin because of the cross. We don't live our own way because, hey, this is fun. I do what I want. I have my quote unquote fire insurance. Because of the cross, we live in a way that's holy and we live in righteousness. Kind of the side, we die to sin, but we live indeed to the right works, the, the right living, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Centrality of the cross it reminds us. Paul writes, but it may, may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Centrality of the cross. We must never get over the sacrifice of Christ, our Savior on the cross. It, never, it must never become mundane or commonplace to us. The agony you suffered, the The weight of the sin must not become ordinary to us as we grip in our our own finite understanding of who He is and what He did for us. If we indeed were a follower of Christ, the cross must be central to our thinking. We observe the Lord's Supper. We're, We're commanded to remember His death, not His life. I'm so glad He was resurrected, the power of God. We have new life. But we are to remember His death we come together as a church body and do that at certain times. Centrality of the cross. It must be think, central in our thinking. You know, when the cross is central in our thinking, we, we have a better understanding of how to love God. We have a better understanding of how to love God. The wholehearted love. And we understand how to sacrificially love our neighbors, both in the body and both in those in our community and the world. When we see the cross for who it is, then we are willing to to suffer and to take on those things. Maybe it's in our in our Western culture just just words against us. But there are those who are suffering or loving their neighbors across the world for for the cause of Christ. With those who might even go to their death today to meet their Savior, rejoicing in the cross. We love our neighbors of the cross is central. We seize the opportunities to minister the gospel. We're open and we're listening for the power of the Holy Spirit that moves us to 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 see someone in their need and to, to love them, even if they're not like us. And to 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 embrace them. And this is ever before we get to another building. This would be The theme, whether we get a building in two months, three months, four months, or 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. But When God gives us the opportunity, we must be willing to have a love of Christ to seize the opportunities that come when when that homeless person comes and sits down beside us. We put our arm around us and say, hey, do you know our Jesus? When the person who is well off On another side of the street, comes in and we say, hey, we're so glad you're here. Put your arm around him. Hey, do you know our Jesus? We're no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who they are. God sends them. We seize the opportunity for the sake of the gospel. We love them as Jesus loves them. We respond with his love. The cross is central. we We realize that every situation is to be lived out for the glory of God. You know, it is the lens that, through which we see the world. It's the lens in which we see the things that are exciting and the things that are commonplace. Um, we see both as opportunities for the gospel. Uh, I got to thinking, it, all Paul's life was not exciting. Okay, you know, we think about it and we, we see the highlights. But in between the highlights, we he was a tent maker, okay? So, you know... Maybe he was better than that, but than I would be. But as a tent maker, if I were to be a tent maker, I would have like needle holes through my finger or something like that. I would have cut myself as I was cutting the leather. My hands would be would be be kind of nicked up and gnarly and just kind of rough. And and I would be looking for opportunities as I made tents. If I were Paul, and God has put you where He has put you for these opportunities to see for the gospel's sake. You say, well, it's really boring in my job. You have people around you, don't you? Well, not too many. Well, you have people you live around? Do you, do you ever go to the store? Do you ever? Do you have a hobby at all? See, the mundane is just an opportunity as much as the exciting and the, and the, 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 the divine appointments, the encounters that God sends us sends us. Seize the opportunities. It was Paul's central message, but we preach Christ crucified. The some block to the Jews and to the Gentiles, it was foolishness. And you will all have, I will have days, and we'll, they'll, they'll be really boring, and we'll keep on, we'll keep off looking for opportunities, we'll keep praying for opportunities, and God will, will send them our way, and it'll be the central idea of Christ in himself. He crucified for us, and we'll see a person to the light of the love of Christ, not because they're bothering us from point A to point B. And suddenly the work, the, the, the avocation of our lives become secondary to the kingdom of God. It is a platform. My job, whatever we do, our homes, those things, it is simply a platform for the gospel that Jesus may work in us and through us. Again, Paul writes, When I come to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom or proclaiming to you the testimony, as proclaiming to you the testimony of God, but I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It was the central message of Paul. And you say, Well, he wrote a lot in the New Testament. Yes, he did. When he came to people, it was always focused on the cross. Because of the cross, this. Because of the cross, we have this. Because of Jesus and His work on the cross, salvation. We have that we. This happens. We live this way. We love this way. Centrality of the cross. So, in the view of the cross, we must see twenty eighteen, and think differently. Think opportunities for the gospel's sake. The buying of our building is not the ending of our wondering. It's the beginning of the next chapter of what God has for us. If you think that we're going to get to 37 Pinkness Street and rest, (laughs) no. We may not be doing quite so much physical labor in setting up. (laughs) Uh, But it opens up. The opportunities for, for gospel, witness and work, for discipleship, reaching souls, building lives together in love. It is it, it is it is not it is not the ending. It is the beginning. It really is the beginning. Twenty eighteen. We must be, think a beginning. A new year, a new opportunity. And maybe 2017 and 16 weren't so great in this area. But we have a new year in which we are to serve God and to love God. It's a beginning. It's not an ending. It's a rescue. It's not a resting. Working on my alliteration, okay? But it is, indeed, a rescue. It's our mission to rescue people from, from the clutches of sin, the bondage of sin. It's not a time to rest. The time to think external, not internal. It's not a time to turn in on ourselves and say, hey, we got a nice little building, we'll come together, we'll huddle. Uh Uh-uh. You know, people really don't, a a lot of ways who don't know Christ usually don't go seeking out a church. In some cases, they do. But they do come when someone invites them. In fact, studies have shown, uh, research studies have shown that, that a large majority of people, your neighbors, your co-workers, will come to a church at least one time if you said, hey, come with me. And I'll meet you there. In fact, I'll pick you up. So you won't have to park. I'll pick you up, and I'll drop you off. I'll introduce you. I'll show you where the coffee is. I'll introduce you in, to people. Or I'll meet you on the corner there. When the stop sign is, that's where I'll be. think of... External, not internal. Think about this idea of contributing, not consuming. Folks, if we think that we come, we now we have a belly, we can sit down and rest and relax and consume. Man, just soak up a good service. Well, the music, maybe, not the preaching. We can soak up a good service, and then we, we go on, and I've done my, my church fix for the week. If you're going to be a consumer, you're going to be really uncomfortable. I hope you are comfortable. I hope I would be uncomfortable if my thought was just to consume. Folks, it's too serious. It really is too serious that people are going into a Christless eternity for us to rest and consume and say, man, I, well, you know, those, pews, those seats could be a little softer or, or, or this or that. That coffee wasn't quite the temperature that I wanted it this morning. Or maybe man, that was too loud, that was too soft, or it was, I didn't like his suit, I didn't like his sport coat, I didn't like his cutoff, not I'm not going to wear cutoffs. But you know, we start to have a consuming mentality, don't we? We have a mentality that consumes, and it's our Western culture, okay, that's just where we are. We face it, and we change. But wow, when we contribute, when we come together as the body of Christ, when God is working in and through us, what a what a thing that He can do with us just works as pieces of clay. He can do a great work when we're all pulling together and coming together for the cause of Christ. We're all joined together with our different talents and diversity of gifts. We come together for the cause of Christ, for the centrality of the cross that's happened in our lives, the salvation we've experienced, the redemption, the freedom that we have now that we can tell others and that we can, we can instruct them in the Word of God. Well, that, that is something worth living a life for. Contributing, not consuming. It calls for sacrifice and not safety. Is there any time in the last probably 100 years for Christians that we understand that safety is not going to be for us as believers, the constant should be now, okay? Most of us didn't live through World War II, we didn't live through the Holocaust, I remember its today the other day. And yes, Christians were killed. We don't remember the Christians killed in, in Russia, the Soviet bloc. But we're now we're starting to see with our global news, we're starting to see uh, in, a, in a greater way those who are now being put to death for the cause of Christ in many different countries across the world. it's not a time for us to pull back in safety. It's not a time. You know, in our... our, You say, well, I'm not worried about my safety here. Well, I was talking to someone uh, last week. I won't give a name. And in another church, they decided to hand out... um, Packages for the Homeless at Christmas in downtown Greenville. And um, as they were going to do that as part of their care group, uh, there were a few of them who just waved out into it and and did it. But what really struck him, disappointed him, was that there were others who decided to stay back at the church because they were worried about safety. Or I want to say on this corner... I'm worried about my safety. While others went and ministered and hugged and tried to share the gospel with people, it is not a time for safety. Are we going to take precautions? Yeah. There's always wackos out there. But not with the gospel. This is no time for safety. It is time to go out. It is time to go out to sacrifice Time to think forward and not backward. It's a time to think opportunity. See, we are called. As I mentioned last week, as Paul speaks of our, our being ambassadors for Christ. We're called on a ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes I like to think of it this way. We're called to go on a rescue mission. You and I are called to go on a rescue mission. We are not called to be safe and comfortable and warm or cold in 95 degree weather and to live our nice Western cultural lives and never speak to someone about Christ unless they come up to us and we're flustered when they do. That's not what it means to be a Christian. That's not what it means to be a father of Christ. You're called to rescue. The old hymn, old gospel song, rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them from pity, in pity from sin in the grave. Weep, weep. Weep, for oh, the erring ones. Lift up the fallen. The gospel, tell them Jesus is my to save. Pursue a rescue mindset. Understand if you're a follower of God, you've been called upon that mission. Those of you with children, um, you want to see your children follow God? Excuse me. Would have to bring a rough napkin away. Do you want to see your children follow God? Then model a God-focused life. Model a rescue mission? Do you want to see people, your kids follow God? Then model it. Live it out. Don't let them see you fearful. Let them see you courageous for the gospel. Or do you want you your children to live a me focused life? Then focus, make life all about them, their comfort, get them the best of everything. <clears throat> and then, generation. In a generation, they'll not be following God. I don't know if he still has it. I just happened to think of it. My dad once did a a family tree of some of the great evangelists. How the generations, the importance of passing on this type of mindset, rescue mindset to the generations for and may I humbly submit to you, and I don't do this in any way that's to be put off, putting you off or anything, but if you're not willing to go on a rescue mission with your life, to love God wholeheartedly, to love your neighbors, and to walk through every open door, then GBF may not be the place for you. Are you turn people away? No. People will turn themselves away if they're not, ready for, if they're not willing to do this. I don't want people to leave. I want people to engage on the rescue mission. I want this to be a focus of our lives, that we, we live, we eat, we sleep with a concern of souls, that we love them in such a way as Jesus loved That If we don't love them, we learn to love them. We sit and we pray until God gives us that love. And as we go and act upon those prayers, until He gives us the open doors, that we engage life on a rescue mission for the for souls. We leave nobody behind. We invite everybody into our church and it needs the gospel. There is no difference between the affluent and the non affluent. There's no difference between, between any nationalities or races, any class of people. If they come, they find a place that loves Jesus and loves them. Before it stands an open door. Yes, maybe a building, which would be a fresh tool of ministry. But as we've learned last week, our homes are a platform for grace. It's at 252,000 square feet of our homes compared to the 34,000 square foot of a building that your home is a platform and a tool of grace and mercy in your community. It's our lives as an avenue of compassion and mercy as Christ had, as the Samaritan had. That opportunity to grace it's a call to embrace everything that God has for you this year, good or bad, for knowledge we are His children, we are His ministers in the world, that life is to be lived out, the glory of God, the advance of the kingdom of God. And then, when we make the cross central to our lives, We'll love God, we'll love our neighbors, and we'll walk through every open door, every gospel opportunity. And so will you, will you make the cross central to your life? Will you follow Jesus with everything? Will you love him as he loves you? Will you go on the rescue mission? Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for loving me. When I was unlovely, I was a rebel against you. Your salvation was more than sufficient. And Father, for everyone that's in this room who doesn't know Jesus, your salvation, your grace is more than sufficient. And I pray that you would bring your Holy Spirit to bear upon them, give them no rest, no comfort, to they come to the decision of whether to trust Christ. And Father, I pray that they would make that decision. Oh God, I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Lord, we don't do this on our own strength, we don't do it in our own might, we don't do it for our glory, we don't boast on anything except Jesus and him crucified. So I pray that you would undertake for our church. Would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and lives, convict us of the sin that would get in the way from ministering to serving others. Lord, encourage us in our walk. Encourage us as we spend time in your word each day. Encourage us through the sorrows and trials of life where many are in in circumstances that they wouldn't prefer. But, oh God, I pray that you would help them, give them strength and comfort. May they see that even in the depths of sorrow, the depths of the circumstances, they can shine for you. So, oh God, I pray that you would remind us that you are there. May we keep the cross central. May we, as a body of believers, go on that rescue mission. It is your mission. It's in Christ and my prayer.